Welcome to Paradise in the Pines, a podcast about the people, places, and stories that make this the home of American golf. Brought to you by the Pinehurst Southern Pines Aberdeen Area Convention and Visitors Bureau. Hello again, everybody. Happy New Year and welcome to Paradise in the Pines. I'm Phil Woods, President and CEO of the Pioneer Southern Pines Aberdeen Area Convention and Visitors Bureau. And man, what a way to start a new year. We are honored to have with us from the state of North Carolina, Senator Tom McGinnis. Tom, Happy New Year. How's hey, it going? Happy New Year to you. And uh, we have a beautiful uh, northern uh, day that uh, will touch everybody's <laughs> interest in remembering what it was in New York and New Jersey. There we go. Well, we got plenty to talk about. I mean, and appreciate your time away from your constituents to stop by the CVB and, and take some time to enter paradise in the pines. Uh, Senator McGinnis in his fifth term as state senator, running for a sixth term, of course, uh, son of a farmer and school teacher from Richmond County, uh, Senate Majority Whip, and serves as the chairman of the Transportation Committee and Committee and educational committee. So we appreciate all the work you do. Yes, sir. I know you've been in politics for a number of years, but you hear about career politicians, but you're the son of a farmer and a school teacher. How much of that is the basis and the foundation for who Senator Tom McGinnis is today? Every day and every moment and everything we do, we think about the outcome of what our actions are and what the reaction will be. And uh, we try to bring uh, a, a, a sense of common sense, if you will, uh, to the General Assembly. And sometimes uh, common sense is kind of scarce, <laughs> right. and a lot of times it gets checked at the door. So that's uh, what we try to bring to the General Assembly. You've seen a lot of challenges and, uh, and had a lot of victories and maybe a couple of defeats along the way. What are some of the biggest challenges you face in the legislature uh, at this coming session? Well, you know, there's 170 members, 50 in one side of the building and 120 in the other. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you've got to get a majority on both sides to agree uh, with your position uh, on anything you do. And then, of course, it's got to go to the governor uh, to be signed. Uh, so there's a lot of moving parts, and uh, one of the things, of course, that we're very, very adamant about is the uh, the fight that we have against the fentanyl uh, mm. problem that is going on in America today, especially here in North Carolina. Uh, while we're taping this event, there's someone will die in North Carolina because of a fentanyl overdose. So we've got to pay attention, and we've got to do what's right and do what's correct and do what has the right outcome for our citizens on that terrible, terrible situation. And, of course, that that is, as you said, a huge impact on, on our population. And a lot of people think, and, and we mentioned before this show, we're not going to get too political because in tourism we try to try to stay pretty neutral. But I think it is impacting when you hear that immigration, this illegal immigration, you know, every state is a border state. Yeah. And you hear about the fentanyl that's coming across the border is that making its way into North Carolina, or is it from a different source that you're talking about? No, it's it's absolutely coming yeah. from the cartels in Mexico. Uh, the uh, precursor material is brought in from either India or China, and uh, they bring the final product, the finished product, if you will. They have illegal pill presses there that they mix the uh, fentanyl in with the different uh, other agents, cocaine or whatever, and then they ship it up here in, in its final form. There is some here that's mixed, but most of it comes pre-mixed and pre-ready. We certainly appreciate your keeping an eye on that and being diligent in trying to eradicate that problem because it does have a problem in, on all our communities, all income levels. Uh, it, it, it hides from nobody. So we yes, appreciate sir. all your work you're doing there. On a more positive note, um, 
got the U.S. Open Absolutely. sweatshirt on today uh, for good reason. You were very instrumental, along with a number of other people, to bring not only U.S. Open championships here, but the USGA Golf House Pinehurst just opened just a few weeks ago, back yep. in December. Talk about, go back and kind of reveal, pull back the curtain a little bit, if you will, and talk about how did you get Michael Wan to the table and everybody else there to gather and talk about what eventually became Golf House Pinehurst? Well, it's an easy sale when we talk about the beauty of Pinehurst, the, uh, the historic value of golf here in this community and what golf has meant for over almost 125 years mm -hmm. or approximately here in, in Moore County. And so uh, it, it's an easy sale. Our, our community is, is well-suited and well-fitted uh, for the USGA because of the, the way they operate their, their business. I mean, they are, of course, a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. uh, they establish the rules of golf and the handicap system, and uh, they, of course, monitor and test and approve all the equipment that's used in the game of amateur golf. And, and New Jersey is getting really, really <laughs> crazy. And uh, we, we'll take an opportunity away from New Jersey any day <laughs> of the week. And so that was the, the, the genesis of that is they wanted to look for a place uh, because they had to build a new facility. Their sure. testing facility was worn out and outdated and everything. So they had to build a new one. They wanted to be in a different location. And the cradle of American golf here at Pinehurst fit the bill. And as did Piner's Resort. Talk about, I mean, the marriage between the USGA. People ask me, hey, is this just happened since 1999? The, the relationship with Piner's and USGA goes back decades. Goes talk back about, de yeah, talk goes, about that relationship and how that played a part goes here. Goes back decades. And, of course, again, Pinehurst has always been a name that's synonymous with the game. The number two course recognized one of the greatest and finest and toughest courses in the world. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was an easy sale. Uh, to, to, to get that marriage in there. And then one thing we haven't talked about, the World Golf Hall of Fame. You read my mind. Coming back from, from Florida, which in, in, in actuality, it never should have left Pinehurst. Right. Pinehurst was its uh, foundation. It should have been here. But things happened way before you and I got here, so uh, I won't speculate on that. <laughs> but what I will talk about is the future, and the future is that it will be embedded in the USGA facility right there in Pinehurst. I believe it's on the second floor. Yes, sir. And uh, it'll, it'll be the, the first induction ceremony of, the, of that in Pinehurst this year. Uh, so we'll have the world stage coming to our door. A lot of people from all over the world that love the game of golf will be following what's happening with that induction ceremony. We've been watching that progress. Of course, the administrative offices had to open by the end of December for, right. for incentive purposes. And you have the testing centers you mentioned. The other building, as Senator mentioned, the second floor is the World Golf Hall of Fame. The first floor will be the Welcome Center, which should be open from what Janine Joskal, our good friend with the USJ, told us would be open about a month before the U.S. Open in mid-June. Yeah. So yeah. Patrick Harrington would be in that induction class. Some of the founding uh, ladies of the LPGA, which hugely important uh, ladies there, will be recognized as well. So we look forward to that, not only for the U.S. Open, but because that's another big tourist attraction for this destination. Because I understand it'll be a museum, but it will change out periodically, quarterly, semi-annually. So it'll be something new and different each time people come to the destination. Absolutely, and uh, uh, it'll add possibly as many as 100,000 additional tourists uh, to come here for the for our golf uh, uh, interest, uh, where they be players or where they just be folks that are interested in the history of golf. 
uh, here in, in the United States and North America. So uh, it, it'll bring a lot of people to Pinehurst, a lot of people to Moore County. They'll spend a lot of money. They'll pay a lot of, of taxes for sales tax and use tax. And, and, right. and we're all about that kind of tax because the great thing about that kind of tax we don't have to build a lot of extra facilities, right. uh, which is a great thing. And uh, we, we love our golfers. We love them to fly in on the jets, and we love to fill up with fuel at the airport, spend the night in the hotel, buy some golf clubs, have some drinks, have some dinner, and uh, get back on that, uh, that plane and, and uh, hightail it out and go back to their home and, and, and bring in another crowd next week. That's what it's all about. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And what's interesting, too, is that while we live in a great place in Pinehurst, the home of American golf, cradle of American golf, we live in a great state of North Carolina, the fifth most visited state in the United States. I give Whit Tuttle, uh, I'm sure you know him from Visit North Carolina, the executive director, uh, because usually when you see the images of North Carolina, it's the mountains and the coast. I was like, hey, don't forget about golf now. And you talk about the U.S. Open this year. There's going to be a quarter million people here for that week, June 10th through the 16th, $200 $200 million impact of the state or this region of North Carolina. And then the U.S. opens in 29, 35, 41, 47. I read when you did the groundbreaking with Michael Wan and Tom Patry and everybody else that that's a $2 billion impact on the state of North Carolina for the next 25 years. Golf is a big deal a big in deal. North Carolina. Big how, deal. how much is that going to impact areas outside of golf with that kind of economic development? Well, we've got an estimate that the region, you know, if we go out and get the upper part of South Carolina and, of course, the the east and west and the north here in North Carolina, is about 600 potential million dollars. Mm. Uh, Not just the local, but uh, going from the Charlottes, the Raleigh's, the Columbia's, the the places like that, the Fayetteville. You know, any place that there's a hotel, there's transportation, there's rental cars, there's food service and gasoline purchases and all the things that go along with it. So uh, we're going to see a big economic boom and a big economic benefit. And again, it's the kind of benefit that we like in North Carolina because we don't have to build a lot of extra facilities. We get to use the facilities we have, and we save a lot of money for the taxpayers, but we put a lot of money in our schools and our other infrastructure as well. It's interesting because... We talk to people. We don't sell real estate, but we understand that people come down here, visit the area, fall in love with it, and move here. So we, we say don't blame us for, the, for all the, the people moving here. What was it like growing up in Richmond County? This area has changed so much. I mean, I remember Rockingham Speedway used to be NASCAR there uh, long before golf became massively huge as it is now with the USJ moving here. How much has this area changed just in, say, the last – 30, 40 years to, to the point well, where that you remember it yeah, as a young it, man. It's significant. And, and one of the great things, of course, that's helped our area is our community college system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll talk about that, I'm mm-hmm. sure, as we go along. But, uh, you know, I was raised on a farm and that type of farm basically no longer exists. That was a little subsistence farm. My dad was a building contractor. He built a few houses along and built somebody a barn if they needed one. My mom was a school teacher. And, and so it, it was a very rural and, and and very, uh, uh, very close-knit community. Uh, and then, of course, uh, if we needed something, we'd go to Moore County hmm. uh, because that's where the shopping was. That's right. where the health care was. That's where a, a lot of the, the courses that were taught in at Sand Hills Community College, one of the premier community colleges in America, uh, right here in, in this area. So uh, it, it has grown dramatically and drastically, but I can tell you with certainty every morning uh, when we get up here in Moore County, 17,000 people leave Moore County 
to go to work in another area. Hmm. But every morning when we get up, 17,000 people drive into Moore County yeah. to go to work in facilities here in the county. So we're, we've got an even swap of leaving and coming here uh, to to uh, make a living and, and make things happen. So a lot of those people are coming from our outlying counties of Hoke and Richmond and Montgomery and, and that sort of thing to, to come here and go to work. I know we talk about all this growth, but uh, I, I understand uh, after doing some research, uh, and you've mentioned a couple of times when we've spoken casually, is that you have a real love of nature and plants, birds, the outdoors. Um, in fact, I understand last biennium you introduced a bill to preserve farmland. How important is that to you while we grow to still preserve uh, farmlands in our rural, rural culture? Well, number one uh, business in North Carolina today is agriculture. It's over $100 billion. Uh, I mean, it, it is, it, it's un, unbelievable what we're doing. I mean, the, it's everywhere from Manio to Murphy. Mm. And, and we've got a fabulous, fabulous farming community here in Moore County. And we got to make sure that we don't tax that land away from people, that we give them the opportunity to make a living on that farm, but we also have good markets for the product that they grow. And uh, whether it be uh, we have a lot big poultry here, we've got uh, mm -hmm. uh, small grains and that sort of thing, fruits and vegetables. We've got uh, uh, goats and chickens and hogs and uh, equine. Of course, our, our horse industry here in Moore County, one of right. the biggest in North Carolina. Uh, our cattle industry is the same. I mean, we got a myriad of things here that are related to ag. We need to preserve that ag opportunity, but we need to also remember we've got to feed not only a hungry nation, but a hungry world. <laughs> right. And so that's what we've got to make sure we support our, our ag industry in North Carolina. But how, how do we balance preserving farmlands, nature, with the growth that we're experiencing in Moore County? Well, it's very easy. We've got to make sure that we have a market for our ag products. Because if we lose our markets for our ag products, then the only other opportunity someone has as a landowner mm -hmm. is development or some other type of recreation and takes the, uh, the, the fact of the, uh, of the matter out that, that ag is not important. But ag is important. And we have programs in North Carolina, voluntary ag districts, ag preservation, being able to sell the development rights, being able to do conservation easements. So if whatever someone that is a, a owner of farmland wants to do, they can do and preserve their position with it. Let's talk economic development. I know Natalie Hawkins, you're a huge fan of. She is our executive director of the Moore County Economic Development Partnership. Uh, she's been very instrumental and get a lot of things done uh, in conjunction with you as well uh, for this county. I think what we see and I get from a tourism standpoint is we'd like to see more things in the northern end of the county and, and talk about how much growth we're going to see in that northern end of the county when we talk, hear about things going on in Chatham County, Lee County, Vinfast, Wolf Speed, uh, Toyota building a massive plant up there off the 421 Carolina core. How much is that 421 Carolina core corridor going to impact northern more over the next 5, 10, 20 years? Astronomically. Uh, when you're looking at Toyota for one, that's a 30-minute drive from Robbins. Mm. Uh, that plan is a $14 billion investment, 5,100 employees, uh, wages $60,000, $80,000, $100,000, $120,000, depending on the, the work requirements and the skill set necessary to meet their needs. And, and we're talking about uh, a company that values a lifelong employee. 
Uh, their benefits are absolutely phenomenal. We were talking to a young guy that's from Robbins, just got hired the other day. His wife works, I believe, at uh, a governmental facility here mm. in Moore County. And he said, you notice that my benefits are better than hers. Huh. And, uh, and so uh, they're, they're offering quality benefits. You've got Wolf Speed, of course, up in Siler City. That's about 2,000 employees and a $5 billion investment. Then you've got VinFast. is about 7,500 employees yeah. and uh, a, a five to seven billion dollar uh, 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 investment there. So the main thing we've got to do is to provide them with a quality, educated workforce for the needs that they have for their particular application. So one of the things we're doing, Dr. Sandy Stewart, our new president mm-hmm. at Sand Hills Community College and I have been working together to bring forth the curriculum that meets the needs of those companies so that we can fill the jobs that are available today and tomorrow, not the jobs that we had yesterday, last week, and that are not going to be back and forever gone. You mentioned uh, Dr. Stewart, who, who took over Dr. Dempsey. Talk about that transition how Dr. Dempsey got Sandals Community College to this point and where Sandy is now going to take that baton and move it forward to, to do the things that you mentioned that are critically important to the future uh, of the people that attend Sandals Community College in this community. Absolutely. Dr. Dempsey did a great job laying the, fa- the foundation and the groundwork for where we are today. Of course, 30 years ago when he came here, this, it was a different dynamic. Right. It was a different requirement for employees. It was a different curriculum being taught. And so we have new curriculums, new requirements, new issues, new thought processes, and again, new requirements for those jobs. So uh, Sandy uh, is well suited for that job. I'm real proud that he's uh, a native son of Moore County. His mm-hmm. family's been here uh, since the 1700s, and uh, he, of course, has a doctor's degree. Uh, good, good North Carolina State graduate <laughs> right there. And uh, we're real proud to be working with him. And, of course, one of the things that we did in this past General Assembly was to bring $25 million uh, as an appropriation to Sand Hills Community College to create and craft a new early college high school mm. with the emphasis on the trades. Uh, So these are jobs, again, that are going to be needed in all these major manufacturing companies that are located in close proximity to our our county line, our county borders, and they'll be preparing those students for those opportunities, and it'll happen within three years. I know as as chairman of the Transportation Committee, you see a lot of things going on with the growth in Moore County. Uh, The argument over what's going to be done with the circle, uh, the famous circle uh, connecting Pinehurst and Southern Pines. After the 2024 U.S. Open, as you know, there's going to be, what is it, a dozen DOT projects that will commence. I think if you go out 211, if I go see my brother in Greensboro, I go 211, I see where that highway is going to be widened and the road being cleared. Talk about the impact of those. What are, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, what is the difference we're going to see in our transportation, in our roads between the 2024 U.S. Open and the 2029 U.S. Open? And what should we prepare for? Well, we need to be prepared for some work going on, number one. (laughs) Uh, And it's going to be a little bit of a hassle, a little bit of a headache. There'll be some... some uh, growing pains growing pains thank you very much and uh, uh, the opportunity that uh, we will have for the next 30 years uh, will be greatly enhanced because we'll be able to accommodate uh, more traffic more more uh, safer environment which is the whole thing of traffic North Carolina a lot of people don't know has the second 
greatest number of centerline road miles of any state in mm. America, second only to the state of Texas. So we have a lot of road miles to begin with. We got to do a lot of maintenance. We got a lot of do uh, do a lot of upkeep and a lot of expansion, especially in areas where we have uh, spectacular growth like we have in Moore County. So uh, you can see a lot of positive things happening. Uh, we've got the new MPO that's just kicking off right. here in Moore County, mm -hmm. and they'll have a say in what goes on in the future of transportation. They'll have a vote, if you will. Right. They'll have points that can be placed on different projects to emphasize their interest, and their, uh, if they're for something or against it, they'll be able to make that interest known. So there's a lot of moving parts to transportation. And then, of course, we've got our great airport. We just brought $5 million from Rock. Uh, that'll be used to enhance and uh, and expand our terminal. Uh, it doesn't need to be done away with. We've got a great terminal, but it does need some rouge and lipstick on it. Right. And uh, we get that done, and then, say, 10 or 15 years from now, we can come back with a new terminal and uh, where everybody wants uh, commercial. Yeah. Everybody wants commercial, but uh, I'm afraid it's not going to happen right now. The, that's uh, off the chart. We've tried our best and mm -hmm. used every uh, technique we can have in the, in the, in the can, but uh, uh, change the size of the jets, more requirements for more passengers, shorter period of time, and we're just not quite ready for that yet, but there is always that possibility in the future. You must have read my show notes because I had the $5 million grant that was awarded to the airport. Uh, and, and we're preparing for the U.S. Open. Yes. So there will be some things that will be done prior to June. Uh, so when these uh, players and corporate entities arrive, they'll, they'll see kind of a more of a welcome to the Sandhills or welcome to the home of American golf kind of feel. Uh, but just to reiterate, you don't see commercial flight service anytime soon, but anytime not soon. not. Yeah eliminated for well down never there. say never never right. say never one thing that is going up that is really really exciting a brand new corporate hangar uh, yep. breaking ground this week uh, and it'll be ready in May, so it'll be ready for the U.S. Open, and we'll be parking some big jets in there coming from <laughs> all across the world. I tell you what, I live in Whispering Pines, so I drive by the tarmac every day, and this is before the President's Cup in Charlotte a couple years ago. I drove by that tarmac. There had to be four dozen corporate planes that were probably coming here to play golf in Piners before they went over to Charlotte to Quail Hollow. And my brother used to work in that corporate aviation industry. And I took pictures of some of the planes. He said, oh, yeah, there's there's some money over there. He mentioned some of the planes. I don't remember off the top of my head, but they were $40 million planes yep. that were flying here. So obviously there's money being invested uh, into this area, which which is hugely important, obviously. Absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned uh, Sandy Stewart, the new uh, president at San Luis Community College. We just mentioned the airport. Rick Cloutier, I'm sure you've had a chance to meet him. Absolutely. Uh, came in. He was actually at Concord, uh, which was, yeah, it's almost, it reminds me when I lived in Charlotte, Concord was kind of like what Moore County is to Raleigh. All the NASCAR guys would fly in there with their corporate jets there, and Concord is all those race teams are right there, Lake Norman, Mooresville area like that. Um, uh, talk about his experience, having a chance to meet him, how impressed are you with him and him leading the charge at the airport now? Well, he's a rock star for one thing, mm -hmm. and he has the knowledge and skill set to understand how to deal with the FAA. And that in and to itself is, uh, is a big star in, in his crown. Uh, so we, we've had great, great folks that have run our airport. But at this point in the game, with the expansion that we're going to be doing there, the, the widening, the, the strengthening, the, all the things that we'll be doing, the enhancements, if you will, uh, we need someone who has a strong working relationship with the FAA. And, and he has that, and it's already paying big dividends. 
just going back up to Raleigh and, and your work up at the legislature, it's interesting because I think a lot of people in the country are tainted by some of the bickering and going back and forth. Uh, but you have to work. You have to reach across the aisle to your, you know, your, your colleagues there. Um, an interesting story I, I, that I was told uh, in preparation for this that was that one of your uh, I guess competitors, a Democrat, a Senator Woodward from from Durham was in an accident, and um, and you you reached out and you, you were kind of touched by it and just felt genuine concern for your your colleague, but also a competitor and somebody who's on the other side of the aisle. Talk about how important that is to you uh, that everybody in legislature, everybody has a voice, and that you know regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, you're trying to make things work up in Raleigh. Absolutely. Well, Senator uh, Mike Woodard from Durham County is a fabulous senator. He and I work very closely on the uh, Transportation Committee. And one of the things that we worked on most recently was the internal audits of state government, all the units of state government. We had an internal audit program that was flawed. It lacked transparency and it lacked independence. He and I both Mm. spotted that. We worked together to craft legislation that was a bipartisan piece of legislation, and uh, we ran it. We ran out of time, because, but because it was so important uh, that we bring forth this legislation, that we were able to talk both sides of the aisle into putting it in the budget uh, as a policy change, uh, and it is of significant and historic proportion of what it does to protect the assets and the, the value and the money and the monetary uh, things that we have here in North Carolina that are operated uh, within the, the different units of state government. That was a success story, and I'm not going to say it would have happened without him, but I'm going to tell you <laughs> it was a lot easier working in concert uh, with somebody in the minority party and bringing forth quality legislation. Uh, as you know, we specialize in tourism here at the CVB. We promote Moore County. We're, we're so fortunate because people will say, hey, you all are doing a great job, but you know, it takes Pinehurst Resort. It takes Kelly at Pine Needles, Mid Pines, uh, all their shops, shop owners, restaurants, agriculture, uh, to make it all fit and work because we're, we're a different kind of destination unlike others around the state. So when you come here, you think about how timeless this place is and, and you can come here and escape and really relax and, and walk Weymouth Woods and see red woodpeckers and blue jays and cardinals and things like that. How, how do you what would you say to somebody who's never been to North Carolina and they're they're saying, you know, I don't know whether to go. Yeah, I'll probably go to the mountains. I might go to the coast. But why? Why is this area so special? Well, you know, we have four seasons here. Uh, you go to the mountains. Of course, they got summer and they got winter. <laughs> you go to the coast. They got summer. Then they got summer and they got a lot more summer. Uh, because it's awfully warm down there. And, of course, they have uh, some coolness in the, in the wintertime as well. But we truly have four great seasons here. We're easily accessible. we got fabulous health care. we got great recreation. we got a wonderful road system to get us here. we got a great airport. Uh, you know, we've got, again, uh, talk about Sand Hills. If somebody wants to go over at, at 70 years old and get them another degree, as uh, a lot of people do here, or pick up some uh, credits for something, that's available. We just don't lack anything. If somebody says, you know, how about, well, how about quality shopping? Well, hey, we're getting a Target, so that's a big <laughs> deal, you know. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunity here that uh, you don't have to fight that eight lanes of traffic and wait in line and wait in line, although we've got a couple of places now that's got a couple of choke points, but we're working on that. So, uh, but it's, it, uh, it basically uh, represents the whole great part of North Carolina. And, and if I could touch upon a topic which we're pursuing now, and we've talked off, 
off camera and off off microphones. And and it's no secret that we've been looking to increase our occupancy tax and working with our county commissioners, which have the ultimate saying doing that. And and obviously you you have, have your opinions about that too. I think from our chairman, Kelly Miller, and former chairman Tom Pashi, Bonnie McPeak, everybody who's on our board, we feel like as this area grows, we want to be a part of that growth and bringing tourism-related expenditures or, or things like, like an amphitheater. Everything we do in a research, 99 times out of 100, they're like, people want to see an amphitheater, like like 2,000-seat or 2,000-person amphitheater for a really cool, legit concert to bring in name people that people would come from Raleigh and Charlotte and Richmond and stay overnight. So um, how important is that that our industry, our tourism industry, be a part of that when it comes to capital improvements and things that we need to do to help grow this destination further? Well, you know, it's like everything else. Uh, w- without a plan, uh, you, you have problems. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no incentive for anybody to do anything without a positive forward-looking plan. Mm-hmm. So I'm certainly looking forward to uh, your organization and the others you mentioned, you know, coming forward with that plan and see how it plays out and, you know, see, see what we can do. Awesome. Well, we're, we're certainly working on that, and we may see something uh, transpire here in the in the first or second quarter of 2024 as we get ready for the U.S. Open, which will be put us on the on the global stage, which we're looking forward to. I, I think it's interesting because um, I remember the groundbreaking for Golf House Pinehurst, and you've met Michael Wan a couple of times, uh, the leader of the USGA, and so the the your your former career as an auctioneer and the way that you are so enthusiastic I'd, I'd never forget because you you spoke so resoundingly and thunderously about that opportunity Mike Wan just literally got down and bowed because he I think he would walk through a brick wall uh, because of your energy and enthusiasm where do you get that well, just uh, kind of raised that way, I guess. <laughs> uh, when you have a mother that's a teacher and a dad that's a, a small farmer and an entrepreneur, you know, you, you got to pay attention every day. And so uh, I, I've, uh, I'm forever indebted to my mother and father and my family for uh, uh, giving me the wonderful foundation and the opportunities that I've had. Uh, to travel across this great country and participate in the uh, in the auction method of marketing uh, here from here to California and from uh, here to Canada and and uh, all across the United States, it's been a been a great career. You're not just a former auctioneer; you're like in a hall of fame yeah. for auctioneer. Yeah. Can, can you give us a little bit, or do, do you do that at all anymore? I forgot how it's been <laughs> so long ago. Well, before we go, let me just give you one last opportunity to, to, to say something to the constituents, what we can expect from uh, your office. And again, thank you for everything you do for this destination, for your constituents, for the people of Moore County, Cumberland County, uh, and, uh, and, in, and, and for where you're from here in the Sandhills. Well, I'll just tell everybody in the listening audience, if you're from Cumberland County or Moore County and you have a problem with state government, and I'm sorry to say, parts of our state government operate uh, very inefficiently and ineffectively. Uh, We've got some challenges at DMV that we're addressing right now, and uh, the waiting in line is unacceptable. The three months to get an appointment to get your license renewed, unacceptable. Uh, so we're working on that. But if you do have a problem with state government, please call my office in Raleigh, and we'll be glad to help you in any way we can. Uh, we only, we're, we're not a, a federal government. We don't have a big staff. I only have <laughs> one legislative assistant, and uh, she's in the office five days a week. And send us an email or a text, and, hey, we're glad to hear from you. Anything we can do to help, we're glad to help. 
Well, I'll be the first one to tell you if you call or email Senator McGinnis, he will personally call you back. And I mean promptly. And in fact, before this podcast, you were supposed to be here at 3 p.m. And he called and said, I might be running a couple minutes late. Who does that anymore? And he shows up five minutes early. So, Senator, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, everything Phil. you do. Appreciate everything. And uh, we look forward to everything you're going to do. And we look forward to seeing you at the U.S. Open. I'm sure we'll see you many times between now and then. Looking forward to seeing everybody in the cradle of American golf. Awesome. Thank you, Senator. Well, if you want to learn more about tourism, just go to homeofgolf.com. If you want to watch this podcast, you can go to our YouTube channel, which is Home of American Golf. And if you want to download the podcast, just search Paradise in the Pines. Download it, tell your friends, and share it. We look forward to it, and we'll see you next time.